Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Rodgers to the rescue, recapping this year's edition of The Match, a dominant performance at the Memorial, the final race of the Triple Crown, previewing the Belmont Stakes, UFC 275, live from Singapore, a couple of early firings in the MLB, what do the Angels and Phillies do now? The Avalanche sweep their way into the Stanley Cup Finals. Who will be joining them? The future stars of the NBA are coming. Where will each of these stars hear their name called on draft night? An intense series in the NBA Finals. Who will come out on top? With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Wednesday night. Uh, make a little notification here. If you hear a little extra noise from the peanut gallery, um, we're in Delaware, Ohio, and there's actually a tornado warning right now. So uh, we got everybody down in the studio in the basement <laughs> right now. So you might hear a little extracurricular going on in the background. We got a two-year-old running around in here. So. <laughs> like Colton said, we're going to start with a match. Um, actually, Tom Brady finally gets a win. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's yeah. won everything else. More money than he knows what to do with and more Super Bowl rings than he's got fingers, but uh, never won a match. This year he gets it thanks to Aaron Rodgers, like Colton said. Uh, 15-foot putt on number 12, final hole for the walk-off. Mm-hmm. You know, but to me, the star of this was Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the boy can play. Great. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. That, I, you know, before when we were talking about it, you know, on last week's show, mm-hmm. that to me was kind of the biggest wild card. I didn't know, you know, yeah. what kind of guy would show up or, you know, mm-hmm. just a little bit of, uh, yeah, unknown with him. I know he, you know, had played this course before with his, with his teammate, Travis Kelsey, but just not a lot of history of, of him playing in, you know, a lot of competitive, you know, right. golf and stuff like that. So, but yeah, he, he, he showed out, you know, came out and played, played real well and impressed me. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the funny story there though, was, you know, they, they were down after the first two holes and Mahomes said, well, I just had to get a, get a cold one in me. And <laughs> he put one down on the hole three and all of a sudden his yeah. game came, came what, to what life. What JJ Watt call it? Uh, swing juice. Swing yeah. Juice. Yeah. Yeah. Swing juice. Yeah. But, absolutely. Yeah. And they actually, you know, the young guys actually went one up on, on hole number eight, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, Tide had kind of turned there a little bit, and then uh, Tom came through in the clutch here on number ten and Tied sank a putt to, to tie it up, and uh, you know number one it on the final hole. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think that the uh, you know the producers or the the people that you know kind of put this together. I don't think you could have asked for a better a better outcome. I mean, yeah, literally absolutely. came down yeah, to the last hole, the last yeah. putt of the day. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for you know a better performance or a better show, um, you know, for them with you know. Like you said, with with not having that pro golfer in there, you don't know what you're you know what you're gonna get. I mean, obviously, you got four guys that you know play decent golf, or, but are not known for their for their golf game. So you know you, know, you never know what you're gonna get. But mm-hmm. I think ultimately they, they got what they were hoping for. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, it came down to the Very last yeah. you know last last hole, last putt, and uh, you know we talk about how impressive Rogers was with that 15 footer to win it. But right before that, Josh Allen. Put it a near 80, 80, 80 footer about, well, about, about sunk, three inches. Yeah, about yeah. sunk that one. And right. that would have, yeah, really put the pressure on, you know, Brady and Rodgers. But yeah, it just came up a little bit short there. But then, so, so the old, the old guys take it, take it there against the, the new schools. Yeah, it would have been fun to see him make that too, because Barkley made a bet if he put it in. He was, he was jumping in the, in the pond over there. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, gonna... Barkley lucked out and got to stay dry. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> um, Real quick, I don't know if I tried to find it and I couldn't find it, but I know up at, up until um this sixth, you know, episode of the match, um, 
there's been 30 over 33 million dollars raised for charities and mm-hmm. uh 17 million meals um paid for to feeding america and mm-hmm. that, but i couldn't find like the the tally from from this last yeah that was through five and i didn't see what the final total was after this one yeah i tried to find the same same number to see what uh what it was uh what what they were able to get after you know after this match but uh you know i couldn't couldn't find the numbers but i'm sure it was in the hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars and an additional you know hundreds of thousands of meals donated so obviously for for a good cause at the at the end of the day but uh yeah brady and rogers take home you know bragging rights over over the old guys so or over the new guys i guess absolutely all right on to the memorial here in uh good old ohio central ohio dublin um, on the uh, Muirfield Golf Course, um, you know, Colton and I went on Thursday, and then Colton and Matt got a chance to go on Sunday. So it was exciting to see some live golf. Uh, you know, people back out on the course, and the course was in great shape. Looked mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh, good weather conditions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Couldn't have asked for a better four days of, of weather yeah, here. Yeah, Jack, Jack even said it. that's the best he thinks the course has ever looked. Mm-hmm. It, it played awesome. A lot of the golfers were very. Uh, happy with it and right. a, lot, a lot of great comments about it and ultimately yeah. uh billy horschel basically billy horschel. just shy of 2.2 million for four days of work so mm-hmm. not too shabby um, you know actually you know but he won this thing on saturday round three with a bogey freak 65 um started out actually kind of rough on the second day had two bogeys through 13 um, mm-hmm. but then he raced that with a just an amazing 54 foot putt mm-hmm. on 15 for Eagle to, you know, erase those two bogeys and pretty much sealed the deal pretty, at yeah, that yeah, point. That's where he slammed the door because I mean, uh, Aaron wise was, he was making it competitive. Yeah, there. He was keeping it close, keeping the pressure on, right. But, yeah, keeping one, it within one or two strokes there to, yeah. you know, put the pressure on him. But yeah, that Eagle really, you know, closed yeah, it there sealed it up <laughs> for him. I think, yeah. Defending champ, uh, can't lay tied for third at seven under. And, uh, my guy that I picked to win, it had a good weekend. Um, finished tied for fifth at six under. Will Will Zalatoris. Will, Will, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Will Zalatoris. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, had a good weekend too. Right, right. So you know, like you said, Billy Billy Horschel, you know, pretty much dominated this this event. Um, you know, finished 13, 13 under, but you know, his uh, seventh PGA Tour win in his first one since two thousand seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, so I was been, surprised. At that. Been a while since he's gotten gotten a win. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a, a no name or you know, a guy that you know is pretty competitive in the in the golf ranks. But uh, you know, yeah, just hadn't been able to get that that lucrative win, you know, here for for a while. But uh, and I talked about it last week. Um, you know, a couple of keys to this to this course is, you know, can you have good iron play on this on this course? And and you know, looking at the stats. Horschel, Horschel made that happen. He uh, had 73, almost 74% greens and regulation throughout the, the entire tournament, which was uh, tied for first. So, you know, had, had, you know, That's decent, where you need to be. Yeah, yeah, decent drives, but then, you know, had good, good second and third shots to, uh, you know, put himself in, in good birdie or, you know, possibly eagle, put, you know, positions. And then, uh, you know, another thing I talked about was that, you know, several of the holes, the par fours, especially are, are some pretty long par fours uh, compared to, you know, other courses, you know, somewhere between 450 and 500 yards. Uh, Horschel went negative uh, three, you know, went minus three through all four rounds on those those longer par fours. So did a really good job to, you know, separate himself, you know, with his iron play and, and you know, doing well on some of those longer, longer par fours, not taking a, you know, ton of, of uh, you know, plus shots on, on, on those longer par fours. So, but I think the, the big story or, you know, another story that, that came out of that was the, uh, the disqualification of, uh, Hideki Matsuyama yeah. after 
after the first round. Um, yeah, it, was, you know, it was a weird situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I, I looked at it or, you know, read a little bit about it, you know, did a little bit of research there. And um, I guess looking at it, the, the rule states, or I guess the rule that he technically broke um, in, the, in the golf rule book, it states a substance or any treatment can't be applied to the face of a club, which could influence the flight of the ball, the spin, the loft, or anything on the ball or how the ball performs is how the rule states. Um, so to me, it was, this whole thing was, was kind of a mystery because I guess the way that it, I guess he got caught, if you will, is that they had an anonymous tip. <laughs> Somebody was watching or, you know, called in and, and gave it, you know, told one of the, you know, kind of officials that, Hey, you know, did you guys see this? Right. Nope. That the, the source of the anonymous person has never been named. The, the only thing that has been given was that it was another person in the golf world is the only <laughs> only thing that was you and know what, and what actually was it it was a marking from a sharpie yeah i think they they uh, claimed they it, it more was, of it like, more like white out white out substance um so and and you know basically it to me the strange thing was and i i guess i you know after reading a little bit about it you know this this actually happened he actually used it, it was on his on his three wood he used that club on the number one tee and, you know, technically you would think, okay, well, he used it on the first tee. He probably should have been disqualified right after that. Right. Or, you know, you'd think that they would have made a ruling then. But because I guess this substance was somewhat unknown, they didn't want to make, you know, like a, you know, an accusation real quick before they knew all the facts. Mm -hmm. So I guess they let him, they let him keep playing. They had, they had confronted him on the fifth, the fifth hole, the fifth tee box, the, the, uh, the official kind of scratched the the uh the material with his fingernail kind of took a somewhat of a sample and then took it back to to the officials to make kind of an official ruling on mm -hmm. it and then by by the 10th hole they decided yeah this was you know some kind of a foreign so, some kind of you know advantage if you will because of this foreign substance well, and, and to me i i felt like it was more of a disadvantage i i feel like you know filling in the uh the lines the grooves, on, on the, yeah. the grooves on there mm -hmm. i've got that to me, that should probably take away the effectiveness of the club, not help it. Right. So, I, you know, I, to me, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And they say if it was just Sharpie that didn't have any texture yeah. or <clears> because know, I guess, thickness to I it, guess it would have been fine. Uh, you know, I was reading a little bit more. I guess that, that players technically are allowed to, like, mark on their drivers and mark on their clubs with, you know, Sharpie marks or, you know, small, small markings, I guess. But when it came to this, because the grooves were kind of filled in right. and there was, you know, gotcha. kind of a substantial amount of it on there. Maybe that's... I should try that on my driver, maybe to help my game. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, yeah, so unfortunately for him, you know, I think he was in the top top five, I think the fifth best, you know, golfer currently in the, the world golf rankings mm -hmm. and, you know, won the Masters a year or so ago. And, you know, just, yeah, was disqualified, you know, unfortunately after, you know, midway through the, through the first round and, you know, didn't get the chance to compete for the rest of the way. But, uh, you know, that was, that was the big story coming out of it. So. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the horsies. Uh, you know, like Colton said, uh, the Belmonts this weekend, um, this is the oldest and the longest of the triple crown. Um, and I didn't realize I was kind of looking at the field and, you know, saw that there was only eight horses in it. And they actually said, this usually is the, you know, the smallest, race because it kind of they're it dwindles we, down yeah like, it dwindles it down really it's the best of the best that's left over mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um you know so and they call this you know the run for the carnations um so i think it's going to be an interesting race if you if you're looking at the horses that have performed up to this point you know it's a derby and that's a preakness so uh rich strike the winner of the derby's in it 
And, um, you know, if you watch how he won that race, came from way behind, they said, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. At the Belmont, you got to put yourself in a in a better position to win that very rarely does a horse come from that far back um, <clears throat> at the Belmont. So they said positioning and timing are, are extremely critical on this race. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, what you guys got on this? Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I really, I mean, this one, we're coming into this kind of a little anticlimactic. Yeah. It's nice that rich strikes back, but you know, him, him not running in the Preakness really kind of took the luster mm -hmm. away from this by not having a chance at a triple crown. Mm -hmm. And then even the, the winner and the runner-up of the Preakness both are, are out You're of right. this as well. They're, mm -hmm. they're not running this thing. So right. it, se it seems like, you know, we, we thought typically it's the best of the best that are left, but this is kind of just the, the rest of the rest. You <laughs> yeah, know? It, who, who it, wants it, to race not, at this yeah, point? It's not the great guy. The, the current favorite right now is a horse that's only ran four races. He's won three of the four. Mm -hmm um we the so, people yeah, yeah. we the so people it's it's uh it's an interesting field i you know i, I think betters will have a lot of fun with it because mm -hmm. I, I think there's a kind real, of wide open. chance yeah, yeah to make some money here because it is it's wide open there's not a yeah, lot known about yeah it. what a difference for rich rich strike he was what 81 to one at the at derby, derby and now he's now 70 yeah. seven to two yeah so. yeah definitely yeah. uh you know money or vegas has changed their approach on on that one since yeah. they probably I don't know. I mean, they probably didn't lose any money because I don't know that there was too many people betting right. on on Rich Strike to win the Derby. But uh, yeah, no, I think this this is going to be uh, you know pretty pretty exciting just from a, a, um, a weather standpoint. You know, earlier in the in the week it was kind of tracking that it could be a wet and mucky you know uh, track, but now it's looking like the rain is going to hold off a little bit and it's going to be you know kind of a mid mid seventies, uh, very very low wind conditions. So I think it's going to be you know an ideal conditions for for this racetrack and. You know, like like Dad said, we're this this track is uh, you know also deemed the the test of the champion because mm -hmm. it's a, a mile and a half track, uh, which is the longest of the the three uh, Triple Crown races. So it's gonna be uh, gonna be interesting here. Um, another one point five million dollar uh, purse and eight hundred thousand dollars to the to the winner. So gonna be interesting. But I think uh, you know something that that really stuck out to me is that. Uh, you know, typically we talk about the the number one post, which is the the post that's closest to the fence there. You know, on the in the infield, typically that that post doesn't do well at, at the other races like the the Derby or, or the Preakness. But actually, in this race, the number one post has won it the most times out of any wow. of the post positions. Um, you know, at the at the Belmont, and um, we actually, the people drew number one, and they, he the has number, number one, one post. Um, and yeah. and it, it's pretty significant. They're actually one nine more times than the next, you know, next post position. Wow. So it's pretty, pretty significant, um, you know, from that, from that number one post. And I think that has a lot to do with, with the track being a little bit longer than some of those other ones. It gives a little bit, a little bit extra time for that, for that one, one position to, you know, kind of establish itself or, you know, kind of get off of that, off of that, uh, you know, fence there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, like Matt said, it's, you know, we, the people there as, as the clear favorite, but, a lot of you know, a lot of them after that that are kind of kind of bunched up. That you know, I think that there's potential to be you know some some money to be made here. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting race, and we'll we'll see what uh, what happens. All right, very good. All right, on to UFC 275 from Singapore. Like Colton said, this is kind of an interesting. I think that you know, there's two co-mains here. The first one, the men's light heavyweight, 42-year-old Glover Teixeira against 29-year-old Jiri. Pozaka. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is uh Pozaka is a guy he likes to he likes to keep range. He likes to stay on his feet, mm -hmm. win fights, you know, he's won uh, ten straight by some sort of KO mm. here recently and and uh 
Glover likes to get in close, uh, take you to the ground. Um, you know, so he's, he's on a six fight win streak, but this guy's been doing this since 2002. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just unheard of right. in, in MMA. So, you know, I, I look for this to be, you know, it, it, uh, I don't know. Jerry's the favorite right now, I think, given the odds. But, um, you know, I don't know. This this could be interesting. We'll see how the old guy does. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this, and I, I'm wondering how, how good is Jerry really, though? This is only his second UFC or his third UFC fight. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. 2-0 in the UFC where, right. you know, Teixeira's the old vet. He's 16-5 and in the UFC. He's mm-hmm. won eight of his last ten. Right. And, you know, also looking at Teixeira's stats, he, he can win. Either way, he, mm-hmm. he, he can knock you out or he can submit you. Right. He, he's a lot more versatile where, like you said, uh, Jiri's more of a, a knockout specialist and, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't do the other stuff as well. Right. I, I think that really plays in the favor of the champion. Right. I, th- I think you're right, man. I think with the Jiri being the underdog, I think there's money to be made if you were willing to put some money down on Glover. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, like Dad said, the 42-year-old ageless wonder, if you will, and, and Glover to share. I mean, he, he has this belt because he submitted uh, Jan uh, Blahovitz, um last October for his seventh straight win to capture, you know, UFC gold. So, you know, hats off to the old guy for for taking it. And, you know, uh, but like I said, he's going to have his hands full with a, with a much younger opponent. Um, Jerry's 29 years old, but a little inexperienced, like Matt said, you know, only his third time he'll be fighting here in the in the UFC. So, I, I think it's it's definitely going to be going to be interesting. But I, I think you got to look at it that uh, you know, uh, Prochaska he he takes kind of uh, he takes a lot of chances. He, he you know he takes a lot of you know big swings. You know takes leaves himself pretty pretty vulnerable. And I think with the with a seasoned veteran with a seasoned veteran like uh, Glover Teixeira. I think he'll capitalize on some of those, you know, risky moves that that uh, Jerry takes. So I think uh, I, I think the old guy can can take this one. I think that uh, Jerry will take, you know, get a little little crazy, a little antsy there in the in the ring. And I think uh, Glover will take advantage of that and he'll he'll win. He'll win. So I think, uh, you know, we want to talk about the the other you yeah, know, the women's the, yeah, the co-main uh, the, um, women's flyweight Valentina Shevchenko and Talia Santos. Um, 22 and three record for Valentina against 16 and one for Talia. Mm. And this is a title defense fight. Um, Valentina's coming off eight straight wins and is the favorite, uh, according to Vegas right now. Oh, yeah. Heavy, heavy favorite heavy coming favorite. into this one. Actually, they're looking forward to who she's going to fight in the next fight, which <laughs> right. is Nunez against uh, ooh, I the current, current champ, yeah, I think. I can't in that. think of the name right now. She'll fight the winner of that fight, it looks like. So right, right. They're yeah. already looking ahead, but. You know, anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, she's she's dominant at this at this weight class, or you know, has been dominant. I mean, even though Santos is coming in on a four fight win streak, she's still a pretty big underdog coming coming into it. Um, Shevchenko has actually defended this title six times, and now will be a seventh time that mm. she's defending it. Nice. And like you said, I think if she's able to, you know, come back win the, you know, win this one, defend her title here. I think she's going to have to make the step up to, to one, one thirty five, and uh, you know try to fight the best the best fighter of all time and, and you know best women's fighter of all time in, in Amanda Nunes. Yeah. And she's fought her fought her twice and has lost both times. We'll see if you know third time's a charm and and, and you know see what that what that can do. Yeah, I I think uh, Shevchenko. You know they're both nine and one in their last ten fights, but like you said, Shevchenko's had. Would you say seven? Seven titles. Seven or seven. So, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's a lot more serious competition. Right. She's there. fighting the upper yeah. echelon. The best of the best. Yeah, more, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see. 
But we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Uh, Stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Get into some uh, Major League Baseball news here. Um, the average Joes. We've got two Joes that lost their jobs this week. Yeah, uh, looking looking for another job on the yeah, unemployment line. Yeah. Joe Girardi uh, lost his job with the Phillies this week. Um, you know, they, they started out 22 and 29, and since they, since they got rid of Joe Girardi, they've won four straight, two of them with, like, dramatic comebacks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe sometimes that's what it takes. I don't know. Um, he's he's he is a World Series champion as a manager with the Yankees in 2009, um, but I don't know his overall record as a man as manager is only about I don't know 45 percent I think mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know he's really not <clears throat> I don't think one of the elite managers in the league but I'm sure he'll find a job somewhere right right absolutely you know yeah like Dad said I think just needed to make a changing changing of the guard here. I mean, this, this team is, is stacked with some, some talent. I mean, they got the, yeah. the reigning MVP, you know, national league MVP and in, in Bryce Harper, uh, five, 20, 21, uh, all-stars on that team and a payroll that was above the luxury tax. So, right. I mean, they, they spent a lot of money, you know, something that they maybe haven't done here recently, spent a lot of money to try to make a push and just, you know, didn't get the results they were hoping for, you know, so far through the season and they're, Surprisingly, I didn't know this, but uh, they're currently on the National League's longest playoff drought. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. So, mm. and off the, you know, not not a, sl- a slow start. Mm. And so just, you know, looking like a potential to, you know, not make the playoffs again. They, they thought, you know, time to make a, make a move and, and, you know, change a culture and see see what happens. Well, so You know, when, when he got there, the team was a, pretty much a 500 team. And since he's been there, they've been the same 500 team. But they haven't really changed the team either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I don't really know what kind of results they were really expecting. Yeah. But I, I think this is more um, – a little, a little disappointment over the guy they fired when Gabe Kapler, he, he went out to San Francisco and he's made them now one of the, one of the best Elite teams team. in baseball. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think they're looking at that and they're feeling a little bit of envy. And I, I think yeah. that really helped lead to this, this firing right here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that, Matt. Um, the other Joe that lost his job this week, Joe Madden with the angels, um, 68 years old. Um, they were on a 12 game losing streak. One of the games they lost was to the Phillies mm-hmm. in one of the comebacks um, after Joe Girardi was fired. Um, so, you know, Joe Madden, you know, he's a he's a five thirty two manager, won two World Series, one with the Angels, one with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt was against Matt's Cubs against my Indians back in two thousand sixteen. <laughs> yeah. yep. um, heartbreaker for Cleveland fans, um, but you know, I, I think. 68 years old joe says he wants another team he wants to keep managing so. all right yeah i think it's uh yeah i think that the you know it was just kind of the changing changing here you know the, the angels got off to a to a decent start uh they they started the season 27 and 17 
Since then, they've had a negative 43 run differential Ooh. and have an AL worst 6.31 ERA. Oh, so they my. just like a night and day difference, you know, just they, they got off to a real hot start, looked like a you know real competitor there in the in the American League. And, you know, since then, they've lost they lost 12 straight, which was tied for a franchise record. And that was, you know, that was like two weeks. That was two weeks ago and they were 10 games above 500. And now they've lost 12 straight. They're, you know, a couple games below 500. So I think, you know, it's just, you know, they, the the management saw kind of the handwriting on the wall. Um, you know, they they were kind of in danger of potentially missing the playoffs for an eighth straight year, um, you know, and, and so they just saw saw the handwriting there and, you know, just just time, you know, thought it was time for, for a change, um, you know, and then, you know, third base coach uh, Phil Nevin will be taking over the head coaching duties for them. And, you know, I think it's just, yeah. they, they just interim? Yeah, I mean it's just an yeah. interim for right now. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of a lot of baseball to go and and, and whatnot. But you uh, know, it seems it seems kind of hard to find a guy in season. Right. The interims usually end up playing it out, right. playing it out the whole year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you talk about like the, the the Phillies, you know, not really finding that magic or you know having a struggle to kind of find that magic. Um, you know, since they've had Mike Trout, you know, they picked him up or you know drafted him in in 2012. They haven't won a a playoff game you know they've been to the playoffs but they haven't even they haven't won a single game mm. going to the playoffs so and they haven't had a winning season since 2015 which is the longest streak in the majors right now so wow. I, and then and they you know got off that hot start and then you know slowly started to creep back to their to their old ways right. and i think that that management just was like man we can't we gotta we gotta get out of this rut we gotta try to do something different and and, and make a make a change and Unfortunately, that was that was getting rid of, of Joe Madden. Yeah, really, Madden probably should have been gone before the season even started. I mean, since he's been there, the team hasn't been over 500. They haven't finished better than fourth in the AL West. And like I said, haven't made the playoffs. You know, I, Matt, Madden's had his flashes of being a great coach, but then he also has some weird, really weird stints where he right. makes some very questionable decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what led to his demise in Chicago. Uh-huh. He, he kind of. I don't know if he got too big for his britches or wore out his head well got a little, a little big, bit. and yeah, he kind of was run the show his way, and it just it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got a decent record as an all-time coach, but he, it's not much better than 500. Really, not much better than Girardi's. Mm-hmm. So you look at those two and compare them. I mean, I, I think both of them will probably find another job. I mean, they're I, obviously they're, they're big not names. the top of the top guys, really, yeah. If, yeah. looking record-wise. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> All right. Well, on to the ice rink here. NHL, uh, like Colton said, you know, the one series is already over. You know, the Avalanche just looked unbeatable. They went 8-6-4-0-4-2 and, and 6-5 in overtime to sweep the Oilers. But the other matchup um, is pretty tight. Uh, you know, we're, we're tied up here 2-2 um, two to two, with the Rangers taking two at home, 6-2 to two and 3-2. to two, And then Tampa Bay coming coming back when they got to – got to their home ice and um they scored a three to two win they scored a goal with 42 seconds left in game three to, to, to you know pull that game out and then came back storming in game four and won four to one so um you know it's been kind of a tale of two goalies here uh almost night and day difference between games one and two and games three to four for Valeski. he was only had an 826 stoppage in the first two games and jumped at the 953 in games three and four. So he kind of lived up to the hype, I think, that we've been giving him all year. Um, so, and Shesterkin has been just solid back there for for the Rangers at 964 in the first two games and 933 in the second two games. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. yeah, this game, this this rest of this series is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you like you said, um, you know, I, I think it just it, it's interesting. You got to look at it. You know, like you said, Igor Shostekin. I mean, games one and game two, he played phenomenal. They they win both those games, but even games three and four, I think most teams would be happy with a ninety three percent, you know, yeah. save percentage. Yeah. But you know, obviously the outcome wasn't wasn't the same. So that that leads me to believe that you know the Rangers literally have to play perfect to have a real shot at this and and you know thank goodness this one's going back you know back to uh new york because the rangers are eight and one this this postseason at at home and have just been you know absolutely phenomenal at at their home ice um you know their only loss coming uh in the very first game of the first round of the penguins in in triple overtime so you know that that could have gone either way but you know the, the stats are just you know phenomenal when they're at home compared to when they're on the road i mean they they score about four goals a game at home and give up only about two goals. Uh, when they're on the road, they only score about two goals and give up almost four goals. So it's kind of, you know, flip-flop there. Yeah, so they definitely, you know, if, if this does came, come down to maybe a game game seven, the Rangers, you know, they, they got the home ice there. So it, it could get – Yeah, Tampa Bay's got to figure out how to win one on the road in this series, mm-hmm. to, you know, to try to get into that – get into the final. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see – See what happens there, but yeah, like looking at those stats, you know, Igor Shostekin. I mean, he's gonna have to. I mean, he's gonna have to be nearly perfect to really give the Rangers a, a, a play in this one. But because uh, you know, we know what Tampa Bay is gonna gonna do. They're right. they're they're the team that you know you got to beat the best to be the best. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be gonna be interesting there. You know, I think as good as Colorado looked in the in the sweep of their series. I, I really think the the favorite for me to win this championship is going to be the winner of this Tampa Bay New York series because mm-hmm. Colorado gave up almost three goals a game there to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Edmonton just didn't have the defense. Right. So these two teams that have the potential to play Colorado, yeah, they can score and they can play defense. Right. Right. They got the I, whole package. Yeah. That's. I, I think that that speaks uh, volumes for both those teams. And I, to me, I I think the the winner of this series has got to be the favorite against Colorado to win the Stanley Cup. All right, yeah. And just talking briefly about that that Colorado Edmonton series, um, I, I think for me the difference maker in this one was looking at the the penalty minutes. Mm-hmm. The Oilers almost doubled up the Avalanche in penalty minutes. The, the Oilers had forty seven penalty minutes throughout this this four games. The, the Avalanche only had twenty four minutes. Hard uh, to play when you're a man down. And, and, and you know. Even on top of that, the Oilers' big three in Dreisaitl, Kane, and McDavid, they combined for 13 of those 47. So, you know, when your big guys are, you know, having to sit out, mm-hmm. the guys that, that do a lot of the scoring for you, it, it puts you in a, in a bad situation. And, and the Avalanche, you know, one of the better teams, again, you know, for the power play, took advantage of those of those opportunities. So I just think, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, something that, that stuck out to me. And, you know, we talk about uh, the Rangers, how well they play at home. Well, the Avalanche, they're a perfect 7-0 and mm. on the road so far through the playoffs and actually an 11-2 and record overall in, in the playoffs overall um, through all their games. So they're definitely hot, but they're going to have a little bit of a layoff here um, with, with that Tampa Bay Rangers series. But uh, you know, I think that one's going to be an exciting one and you know, could potentially go, go the distance game, game seven. All right, so who do you like? Who's your pick? I still, you know, I've been riding high. You know, I rode rode pretty high on both these teams throughout the NHL season. You know, I talked about the Rangers. Talk, talk. You know, you never can count out the Lightning. Obviously, they 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 make the playoffs. They're going to make a push. But uh, you know, I just can't bet against the you know back to back Stanley Cup champs in this one. I think that they're you know have figured out how to how to attack the Rangers. I think uh, you know Vasilevsky's gotten kind of the jitters out of his out of his stomach there, and 
he's playing, you know, good goalie hockey again. I, I think the, the Lightning take it, you know, game game seven. Yeah, uh, coming into this thing, I, I actually picked New York to, to win this thing and give uh, the <laughs> city of New York something to celebrate <laughs> right. here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stick with it. They, right. they played like they had to at home. And I I think, you know, coming back home, as, as long as they can keep that up, I Having that home ice is huge, and, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's going to be enough to get the job done. Yeah, and that, that environment has been absolutely, you know, watched a couple of the games and, you know, seen some stuff on, uh, you know, social media. But the environment that those, you know, Rangers game has been, you know, phenomenal. So hats off to the to the fans, too, yeah, for, absolutely. you know, creating a, you know, crazy environment for, for right, the well, Lightning. I'll break the tie. I'm going to go. I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Lightning here. All I right. think. Like winning those last two games, get to, got their confidence back. Like Colton said, mm-hmm. Vasilevsky's got his confidence back, sitting back there between the posts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to the to the Tampa Bay in this one. All right, all right. Moving on, uh, we want to do the NBA Finals, but before we do that, we got the NBA draft coming up here. The withdrawal deadline is passed, so guys that have declared are going one yep. way or another. Whoever's so, in the draft, that's who yep. you're picking. So that's passed. So. And the the Magic are sitting at number one. So uh, tell me who you think they're going to take at number one. Yeah, obviously, obviously we're looking at the the lottery here. You know, the top fourteen picks. We'll we'll do kind of a part one. We'll do the top top seven here, and then do the the, the rest of the seven on our show next week. But uh, you know, obviously these teams that are picking up here, it's not because they did anything good last you know last season. You're you're picking up here because you need some help. You need some some work here, but. Uh, you know, for me, I think the the Magic are going to look at uh, the the guy out of out of Auburn, the the versatile forward out of Auburn, and in Jabari Jabari Smith, the, the freshman from from Auburn, uh, six foot ten, two hundred and twenty pounds, nineteen year old. Uh, I just think gives him a lot of versatility. The guy the guy's a big man, but he can stroke it from the three. Yeah, he's he, a, he's really he shot, an elite uh, shooter. Yeah, shot forty two percent from from the three point line last year. Just great size, elite jump shooter. Has to work on, uh, you know, a little bit of his game of, you know, getting to the bucket a little bit more and, and you know, clean that up from, you know, from from his game. But yeah, I think the uh, the Magic take the take the forward out of out of Auburn and, and Jabari Smith. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going a little different direction here. You know, I looked at looked at their roster. And I think their biggest need is, is a scoring power forward type size mm-hmm. option. And and to me, the the best player of that ability here is Paolo Banchera. Okay. I think he's a perfect fit, averaging 17.2 points per game. He's 6'10", 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he would slot in nicely with that roster, and I, I think he's the, the first pick. All right. I, I got to agree with Colton on this. I got Jabari Smith going um, just because he's a better shooter right now than, than, than Banchero. Um, I like I like Paolo, but um, I think all right now the Magic need help right now, and I just think – Right now, the, the kid out of Auburn fits fits it a little bit better. Um, but however, if we're moving on to number two, I got Paolo at number two going to Oklahoma City. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's also six ten, but a little more of an NBA body. He goes two fifty. Right. Um, so I think that that helps him a little bit. Good passer, good vision, and just an okay shooter. I think. I mean, definitely something's got to work on. Yeah, I think that'll come mm-hmm. as time goes on. But uh, yeah, I got I got Paolo at number. Yeah, yeah, I gotta gotta agree with you. Just you know, like you said, great great size, um, and 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 of probably all the you know top picks or top guys here in the you know the the top half of the draft lottery. I think he's the one that has the most polished offensive skills. Defense, uh, you know, I don't know that you're gonna get a lot of defense out of him. You know, not not a real you know great rim protector, not a you know super great you know known for his defense, but offensively, I think he's you know got the most polished game out of out of any of these young guys. So you're definitely gonna get get some offense, and you know the Thunder. 
definitely need some scorers on that team. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, Paolo at, at six foot 10, 250, I think is going to give him a lot of different options, different looks to, to get, you know, put the ball in the hole. So, yeah, well, I guess for me, we're just kind of flip-flopping All here. Right, right. Oklahoma City need, needs a little bit of outside game with some three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jabari Smith's a 42% shooter. You know, I, I think he's definitely the pick as, as long as he gets there. Right, right. That's that's good. That's good thought, Matt. Um, Matt, we'll let you go first with number three pick going to Houston. Yeah, look at the Houston Rockets. I think their biggest need is, is, is a big. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to me, the, the best big left on the board here at this point will be the Chet Holmgren, the seven-footer out of Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I, I think he would uh, slot in nicely with that team, give them some size and and, and really help out that roster. Yeah, yeah, I got to agree with you. I got got the big man from Gonzaga going to the Rockets as well. I think uh, you know you hit the nail on the head. I think the the uh, Rockets definitely need some front court help. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think that that uh, you know Chet's going to give you a whole lot on the offense. I think his offensive game still needs to be a little bit more polished. Uh, you know, got to got to do a little definitely. bit more on the offensive side. But defensively, I think that's what he's going to give you a big you know big rim protector, long arms, lanky guy. Definitely think he's going to have to maybe put on a little bit of little bit of weight. Yeah. I mean, seven foot and he's only 190 pounds. I mean, yeah. there's there's some guys that you know are shorter than him or you know just as tall as him and weigh you know 50, 60 pounds more than he does. So well, look at Paulo. He's already six, you know, six ten, six ten, two fifty. Yeah. So yeah. I think definitely Chet's going to you know have to add some some weight there, add some muscle to him to you know really uh, you know make do some damage. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to give you. Some some stuff on the defensive side of the ball, you know, be a be a rim protector for for the Rockets, and I think that's you know kind of what they're what they're missing. So I think uh, Chet will slot in there perfectly for the Rockets. I gotta agree. I'll make it three for three. We got three freshmen going in the top three. Chet Holmgren, freshman out of Gonzaga, um, but you know, kind of to piggyback on what Colton said there a little bit. I think you know it's going to be a physical adjustment. I think for him in the NBA. Um, and I think one thing, another thing you got to look at is foot speed. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, so I think, you know, that'll be some question marks maybe, but of, of the guys that are left, I think he fits what Houston needs the most yeah. in that number. Three. And yeah, I, I and think some, it helps too. Uh, so, but when Sabonis came out there, he came out of Gonzaga, kind right. of the same type of mm-hmm. build and size. Right. And, yeah. you know, he transitioned just fine. I, I think that's what the, a lot of these teams are going to look at and say, you know, well, if he can do it, same program, same mm-hmm. style of play. I, right. I, I think I, they're, they're not as worried about his they, size. Because they said of that. Kevin Durant was too thin to play in the NBA too. So right, we'll right. see how that worked out. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, okay, number four. I guess I'll go first here at number four. Uh, the Sacramento Kings picking number four. I got the kid out of Iowa, sophomore uh, Keegan Murray, six eight, two twenty five. He can score. He can rebound. He can defend. I mean, uh, to me, this kid. Uh, probably maybe should have been the you know player of the year in the ncaa last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. um really had a breakout season there you know in the big 10 and I, I i like the fit with the kings at number four yeah yeah absolutely and you know a lot of people it, it kind of went back and forth between uh you know keegan murray out of iowa and, and the guard out of purdue and, and Jaden ivy but to me i think uh you know Jaden ivy's game is just too close to what they already have in indiana and fox mm-hmm. um so i just think that and they put money they, you know they signed him he's extended right so. he, he seems to be you know one of their one of their franchise pieces one of their yeah. cornerstones there in, in sacramento so i just don't see them taking another guy that that has a similar game so i think yeah like you said they go go with keegan murray here um for me it'll be interesting to see how you know if, if they're both on the floor at the same time how keegan murray and demontis sabonis how they kind of play play together because they do have very similar kind of playing styles. Um, so it'd be interesting to see 
how they, you know, how they incorporate each other, both on the, you know, both on the floor at the same time. And, you know, like dad said, this guy is a rebounder, a defender, uh, can score the ball as well. So just a real versatile guy that can give you a lot of, you know, a lot of things that a lot of the different, you know, stat lines. So. Yeah. I looked at this in the Sacramento's biggest needs were size shooting and defense. And like you guys just said, Keegan Murray wraps up all three. He's six, eight, two fifteen, scores 23 and a half points a game. Right. I mean, he, he just, he, he he checks every box that Sacramento yeah. needs. He's really the, the perfect pick for them, right? Yeah, and, and he seems to be a guy, you know, watching some of Iowa's games last year. He can score even without the basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's kind of a spot-up shooter, can be mm-hmm. a spot-up shooter, and, and uh, you know, but can also move and, and get open um, without, you know, having to have the ball in his hands to, to really get scoring opportunities. So, all right. Matt, who you got at number five to the Detroit Pistons? Yeah, so looking at the Pistons, I, I think their biggest need is a three-point three point shooter and uh I think that goes with uh, the guy you just talked about there in the last round, Jaden Ivey. Mm. He averaged a 17.3 points per game for playing in college, and I, I think he'd be a nice fit for the Pistons. All right, yeah. Well, I'll make it uh, two for two because I got <laughs> got Jaden Ivey, the six foot four, two hundred pound guard out of out of Purdue there, and you know this guy to me just has exceptional you know kind of speed and explosiveness, oh, which you know allows him to get to the bucket pretty quickly. Like you said, he, he can knock down the outside shot. I think he's going to have to polish that a little bit little bit more in the NBA um, to, to really be a super big threat um, as a guard. But, uh, you know, the Pistons just need a lot, a lot of kind of athleticism on that offensive side of the ball and I think would be a perfect pairing with uh, their, you know, franchise court or franchise point guard that they drafted last year in, in Cade Cunningham. I think Jaden Ivey will definitely pair well with, with kind of the playmaker that, that Cade Cunningham is with the, uh, you know, kind of explosive guard that, that Jaden Ivey is. Yep. I'll make it three for three. Uh, another sophomore out of the Big Ten, Purdue University, like Matt said. Um, I love his explosive speed. I mean, he gets the ball in his hand and he's going down. Right, right. Um, you know, he's going to have to polish his game a little bit, I think, you know, look to, you know, drive and dish a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, But, yeah, just uh, just the athleticism of, of, of that kid, uh, right. you know, coming out of – Gives you, gives you some some Dwayne Wade esque you know type uh, type Absolutely. of player of just yeah. being a you know downhill you know scorer. Yeah, so I agree, Colton. You want to take the Pacers there at number six? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's let's keep it keep it in the Big Ten. Keep I it like with, it. Keep it with I the, like it. Keep it with the sophomores here. Um, and I, I'm taking you know Johnny Davis, the the shooting guard out of out of Wisconsin, six foot five, 195 pounds. Um, like I said, sophomore out of out of Wisconsin. I think. Just has the ability to, you know, play either guard position. He can handle the ball, um, you know, can play the point guard, but then move, move him over to shooting guard and be kind of an off ball, you know, scorer. But uh, also pretty, pretty decent defender as well. So I just think a pretty, pretty decent two way player um, seems to be kind of the the mentality there in in Indiana. They don't, you know, typically go for the flashy player, or, you know, the 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 um, yeah, the the kind of showboat kind of guy. They they go for the guy that's going to give you hard work and going to put in the grind. And I think that that's what you're going to get here with, with Johnny Davis. Well, I'll tell you the three of us must've put the uh, same notes together (laughs) and we're using the same brain here. Cause yeah, yeah, I I got the exact same thing. Johnny Davis for, you know, a lot of the same reasons you said, I I think he'd be a nice fit there in Indiana. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right. Number seven, Colton, you want to take the Portland trailblazers at number seven? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, this, this one may be a little bit of a, of a wild card here with it, with the Portland trailblazers, but I got the uh, guard slash forward Um, actually didn't play in college, actually played his first year in the uh, G league and the NBA G league ignite. And that's uh, Dyson Daniels, the six foot seven, like I said, guard forward combo, 195 pounds. Um, but I think this guy is just, you know, kind of an interesting. You don't know, you don't know what you're gonna get. I mean, kind of, kind of, 
what I was reading kind of got off to a slow start in the G League, but then as the season kind of wore on, he, he tried to, you know, kind of found his niche, kind of slowly developed his game. And I think this guy is just, uh, you know, can can do a little bit of everything, um, you know, from what I was reading, able to defend four different positions. So he gives me a, a kind of a Marcus Smart type type player on the defensive right. side of the ball that you can kind of match him up with with anybody. And he's going to go out there and, and you know, play hard nosed defense. But, you know, I think his offensive game is going to come along. He's got, you know, great size and, and strength to be dangerous on the offensive side just has to polish that game that game a little bit and and be you know a great two-way player um for for the portland trailblazers yeah and, it, and there's been a lot of talk that portland may try to trade out of this pick because mm -hmm. there, there's nothing they really love here and you know they they definitely need a second scoring option if they want to keep damian Lillard around mm -hmm. or if they're not then they still need a, a scoring option to be the future here right so, right you know I, i'm with you right now on this pick of dyson daniels but i wouldn't be surprised if they move out of this pick and, right. and don't even make a pick here yeah yeah or or pick somebody yeah i think that there's you know could be a, a plethora of other people that they could possibly pick here with this seventh yeah. pick I don't know what we were thinking, but I got Dyson Daniels at number seven also. Right. But also something I was reading that said they might go ahead and take him mm -hmm. and then put him up for trade okay. to get some, you know, some, some proven help. vets in around Damon Lillard. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, we didn't vary too much, but I think really because you're looking at the cream of the crop and that right. at least those top six guys, you know, three freshmen, three sophomores. And like Matt said, good to see uh, – three guys coming out of the big 10 and in, in there. So yeah, um, yeah, but still a lot of, a lot of great talent then, you know, outside of those, you know, top seven. And like I said, we'll do kind of part two of, of our NBA draft uh, next week. We'll, we'll do the next uh, seven picks uh, eight, eight through 14 um, next week to kind of go through um, who we think's going where in those, in those next seven picks. Okay. Um, okay. Well, last thing on the slate here, the NBA finals, um, uh, if you've been watching, it's tied one-to-one. -one. We're going back to Beantown now, mm -hmm. um, you know, and really it's not been much of an advantage for Boston. They're only <laughs> yeah. five and four, you know, in the playoffs so far at home. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's this. It's been, it's been a good series. The guys are playing hard, man. It's been a physical series. Mm -hmm. uh, guys are getting after it. It's been clean, though, you know, uh, even with, um, you know, a couple guys there that, tend to uh, get out of hand at times, <laughs> but they've kept their cool because they know how important this is, I think, mm -hmm. especially the, you know, the veterans on Golden State. Um, I think, you know, that's what you're seeing, the kind of the guys that have been there versus something new for some of these other guys. But uh, give me your rundown, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like Dad said, we're, we're tied one-to-one. -one. Celtics took game one, 120 to 108. And then game two, the Warriors, you know, pretty much blew out the Celtics, 107 to 88, you know, held the Celtics to their lowest scoring output throughout the entire playoffs at, at 88 points. But, uh, you know, and, and forced the Celtics into 19, 19 turnovers mm. in that game. So just, you know. You ain't going to win games and, like that. And it was definitely, uh, you know, some bully ball, if you will, in, in game two. The, the Warriors scored uh, 40 points compared to the Celtics, 24 points in the paint. So they, they definitely, you know, they did, you know, the Warriors are known for kind of their outside shooting, but they made it known that, you know, hey, we're going to be the more physical team. You know, the three ball wasn't necessarily falling for them in game one. They switched it up, went, went to, you know, trying to get some more points in the paint there to, you know, show that they they're able to do a little bit of little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, I think this series is gonna gonna be interesting. You know, like you said, we we shift back to Boston, but uh, you know, Boston hasn't been been so hot at, at home. They've been better on the road. Um, so interesting to see. You know, will the Warriors uh, be able to steal steal one on the road here? Um, 
and they've been able to do so in 26 consecutive playoff series. They've wow. won at least one game in the series on, on the on road. The road. So okay. it'll be interesting to see there, but uh, you know, I think for the Warriors to, to keep going or, you know, keep the momentum going, they got to get their star Clay Thompson oh, going. He's, he's, he's been struggling so far through these first two games, uh, 10 of 33 from the field and uh, only four of 15 from, from three point line. Right. So got to find a way to get, get him going, get some easy buckets, get his confidence up so that he's, you know, in uh, you know rare form for him, uh, you know going going forward uh, because yeah, obviously I wonder if his body's wearing down a little bit, right? Just, just getting back this year, mm -hmm. his first yeah. full year back into things after being out for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think the the difference in this one of the difference maker in this series so far has been the second half adjustments or second half play. Um, if you look at game one, starting the second half, the Celtics went on a forty eight to eighteen run to start <laughs> wow. the second half, and that was you know the difference that that really put them over the edge, really put them on the top, and they never never looked back from there. But you look at game two, the Warriors went on a forty three to fourteen run to to close <laughs> that game. So it, it's it's a matter of runs. I mean, the NBA is you know a lot of times it's it's a game of runs. Um, and, can score points in bunches. Right, man. right. Um, and and so I think that's that's been the key in this one is who makes the best you know second half adjustments or who which coach makes the right speech at halftime to get their guys motivated to come out at you know at half after halftime. So yeah, watching the series so far, like I said, Boston took game one by twelve points. Golden State won game two by nineteen. Mm -hmm. And you know mo both these teams rely on the three ball, but that really hasn't been the difference mm -hmm. here. They're they're shooting almost an identical percentage. They've made almost the exact same amount of shots from behind the three point line. Mm -hmm. It's actually been their two point shooting that's really made the difference. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Golden State's got more weapons that can score in that fashion. Mm -hmm. A uh, little more size there. They can play a little little easier on the inside than I think Boston can. I, I think that gives them the slight edge here. I think Golden State's bringing, bringing another title back. All right. All right. Well, you know, we, we talked about it last week. You know, these were the two best defenses in the regular season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think at times you're seeing that, like with the 19 turnovers in right. that second game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like I like Boston, Matt. I think um, – I think they're going to I think they're going to turn this thing around back in Boston and take two at home and you know then they just got to got to get one more somewhere so mm -hmm. um you know and and here's the thing after a 1-1 split in the finals game 3 winner wins the series 82% of the time so, so super crucial game coming yeah, up here real big game tonight think, they, they play you know tonight. going and going back to Clay Thompson's struggle for me a guy that's struggling with his out, out outside shot, I always tell guys, yeah, that then go to the go to the hoop and get fouled and go to the line, go to the know, free throw line, break that ice, you know, go see that the line. bucket go in the hole. But but that's not Clay's game. Right, he's not, yeah, yeah, he's he's not a slasher. He's not a you know an inside scorer, high, high volume free throw shooter. Right. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going to turn it around for Clay, and I, and I think they need him. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. I, I got to give the edge to. I got to give the edge to the guys in green. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been been high on the Celtics long time now here on the on the show and going to keep keep sticking with them. You know, and the thing is that, you know, sticks out to me is that, uh, you know, not only has Klay Thompson struggled in this series, but Jason Tatum has, has somewhat struggled for the Celtics as well. So I think, it, you know, they Celtics have somewhat been able to weather the storm, even with their star player not playing super well. 
I don't think Tatum will continue to have kind of that slump. I think I think he'll break out of it. And I think that's going to be the the difference maker for the Celtics is uh, you know the play of of Jason Tatum. So I think that they get a win, you know, get a win tonight and put themselves up two to two to one. All right. Well, real quick, Colton wants to touch a little bit on the LIV Golf League. We got some big announcements there just coming recently. So we'll let uh, Matt and Colton take care of that. Yeah, absolutely. So. If you haven't heard, this is a, kind of a new golf league that they're that they're starting here. Um, that is outside of the, the PGA Tour, um, and and like Dad said, they got their first first tournament this weekend over in uh, bloody old England, uh, London. London, England is where they'll be playing. They're teeing it off here. This starts uh, starts tomorrow, actually. So be interesting to see. But uh, you know, a lot of big golfers have made the jump from the PGA to go go play in this. Are new... they just chasing the money, or is it? The, I, I don't know. I don't know if discontent uh, with the PGA or yeah, what's think going on. A little bit of a combination. You know, you've of heard both. a lot of these guys talk, and they they've all said it, it's the, they're they're because a lot of these guys are getting older too. It's getting closer to the twilight of their career. Mm-hmm. They 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 want to make a couple paydays before mm-hmm. they got to hang this thing up. And, right. So I think the money's been very enticing to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the money, um, every single event every tournament of of the regular season if you will there's eight of them yeah has a purse of 25 million dollars so of that 25 million and i'll go into a little bit more of the format after this but uh, of that 25 million five million dollars will be split between the top three teams so that's that that's teams i know that's that's different than a normal you know pga event but then the top, the top team then of that five million gets gets three million dollars. So you know of that of that five, you know the winning team gets gets three million. Then the remaining twenty million that that's left gets split individually with the first place winner getting four million dollars and last place getting one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So and, and to compare that, the last place winner here at the Memorial, I believe, took home maybe twenty eight thousand dollars right, or something like right. that. So, so pretty I mean, significant. Yeah, that's a increase. big big increase for coming in last <clears throat> so you know like i said the teams format obviously a whole new realm different ball game than what we're used to seeing with traditional traditional pga tour golf um so the way it works is there's a 48 man field um and of those 48 they'll actually be split up into four 12 four man teams um there's no cut and they are on a shotgun start. So each team will start, you know, kind of at a, at a different hole and they'll all mm. kind of tee off at the same time and, you know, play, play. And there's actually only three rounds of golf instead of four, four rounds of golf, like in traditional PGA, but uh, kind of the way the scoring works or how they determine who's the winner and, you know, whatnot of this whole thing. So the, uh, the best two scores over the first and second round from each team, that's what counts to, you know, figure out who the, who the yeah. best the best teams are and then the final round they take all they take three of the four scores to determine who the who the winner is so you got you know the first two scores on on the first two rounds and you got the the best three on the on the final round and they combine all that together to see who has the lowest score that's determines that's your team your your team winner but then you're also playing it on your. But then you're also, score. you know, you're still playing. Even the fourth guy that you know doesn't contribute to your team score, or you know, even if you don't contribute necessarily to your team score, you're still playing individually because even the best 
individual who has the best overall score throughout the three rounds still takes home money and still has you know a chance to win it as an individual as yeah, well. So, so you could have the best individual in the tournament, the worst individual in the tournament. Correct. You're not going to win the team, but right. you can still win. You should still take some home some money. money. Yeah, yeah, take home some money, or you know, yeah. at this point, you could say. Pretty much everybody's a winner at right. this point. Like right. it's it's one of those things that yeah, everybody's a winner in this in this thing. So it'll be interesting. Like I said, there's some big names that have made the jump from from the PGA to play in this league, and most notably Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, uh, Kevin Na, um, and just here recently within the last you know hours here, Bryson DeChambeau and and Patrick Reed have made the jump and are going to be playing in this in this big. Uh, you know, high stakes, well, high money. Yeah, we'll see how this unfolds because the PGA has said if you play for in a different league, you're done in the PGA. Yeah, they so. they've threatened that they will you know potentially revoke their revoke their tour cards. We'll see if they stick to that. If if enough of these guys make the jump to this new league, or you know what the what the deal is. Well, but, and, and Dustin Johnson's already he, he just he, said take yeah, it. Then I, I don't I'm care. Out. I'm yeah, out. Yeah. So I mean, some of these guys are just. They don't, they don't denouncing care. the PGA, right. they don't care. Right. Phil, Phil Mickelson, he, he's earned a lifetime membership because of his amount of wins and how long he's continuously played on the PGA. Right. So he said, well, I, you know, I, I'm grandfathered in. Right. You can't kick me out, so right. I'm not leaving either. <laughs> right, so right. He, he's not he's not losing himself that option. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he, he's kind of fighting fighting the fight there for <laughs> right. the rest of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it's going to be – Gonna be interesting to see how this how this plays out. Like like Matt said, they got eight different you know events here scheduled, so spread out you know throughout. I think most of it's in in Europe. I think is and, and, and the money three three of them are here. Oh, in, in the U.S. US. and okay. the money's coming from the Saudi Arabian government. government. Yeah. yeah, so this is yeah Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's I think that's the biggest point of contention here on on why a lot of people weren't happy with this league. Right, right. I think if, if this were being done any other way through any other right. means, means of finance. Yeah. yeah, without getting too political. Right, and yeah, that's, what yeah. We do. that's not what right. we're trying to get into. We don't want right. to do all that. But I think that's, yeah. that's big, big you know, some of the question marks or yeah. some of the, you know, kind of leery, you know. Right. Um, and there's been some question in, uh, like, other things that the uh, government from there, as Saudi Arabian government has sponsored in the past, they've kind of earned a reputation for not living up to their end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, I hope it doesn't bite these guys, yeah. you know, in the wrong way. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like I said, real gaining, gaining some momentum, gaining some steam there. And, uh, you know, a lot of players making, making the jump. So it'll be, uh, make for some, you know, potentially interesting golf and kind of a competitor to, to the PGA. So. And hopefully it's just good golf. I yeah. think that's all we could hope for with, right, with this right. league. And, and, and if it works out, it, as long as it's good golf and mm -hmm. something exciting to watch. Right, right. Yep. It's a win. All right, very good. Well, that's it for the show tonight. I think uh, next week we're coming at you Thursday. Um, the only two regulars that will be in the studios, me and Colton. Uh, Matt's taking a much-needed vacation next <laughs> week, so – um, we may have a couple guest appearances maybe in the studio next week on Thursday. So let Colton take care of signing us out here. Yeah, yeah, we uh, appreciate you. Thanks for listening to, to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cow. Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear topics for, you know, future episodes or, you know, you just got a big burning sports question you want to hear us uh, talk about on our show, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram at uh, fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at uh, fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, we also have a website, uh, which is fired up one dot podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and just a little bit of information about, about the show. Um, you can also find a lot of our past episodes and even this, this episode tomorrow. Um, you can find it on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Pandora. So, 
anywhere where you can, you know, host a podcast or put a podcast on, you can find our show. So appreciate you guys listening. And as always, stay fired up.